0: Thank you, Steve and team. Well, welcome back to our current series called Pump the Brakes." It's the first time we're using sermon notes. So if you uh, have them, you're welcome to follow along. If you don't have them, kind of slip your hand up and we'll make sure we get you some sermon notes. Well, here's some things we've discovered in the first two parts of this series. Sam, a couple of weeks ago, opened this particular series. Uh, Reminding us that we all feel this push and pull of things fighting, uh, demanding our attention. So did Jesus. It wasn't any different for him. But Jesus didn't give in to the urgency or the complexity of a situation. Uh, He still moved in peace and love. And beyond that, Sam reminded us that Jesus invites us into something different in our hurried and rushed moments of life. A love relationship with him. And a love relationship with him means that we will encounter the busyness and the hecticness of our life the way that he did with peace and love. And then last week, uh, Jared shared with us. Jared, nice job last week, by the way. That was... uh Well done. Well done. He challenged us that while we all might believe in God who are in this room, we often allow circumstances and fear to cloud God's ability to do what God does and also our ability to trust him completely. Life can do that. and We doubt him even when we've already seen his power unleashed in other areas of our life and in the past we've seen him come through time and time again but now this is something different and so the challenge was we either trust him or we don't there is no try we either trust him or we don't there is no try so well done jared so anyway i get a crack at it for the next few weeks Uh, what does pump the brakes mean anyway what does that term mean now well kids uh in most of your kids Uh, When it comes to my age, gather around. (laughs) Except you, Terry. Uh, Yes, you're more my brother. (laughs) Gather around. Let me tell you something from a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. Jared, this is for you. (laughs) It's a time before anti-lock breaks. ABS, as you might know it. They weren't yet invented. And with today's anti-lock brakes, you can stomp down hard on the brake pedal. And what happens? Don't no, don't lock up. They go. Yes, yes, yes. Stay with me, Greg. Okay. And so the car does the braking for you. But in that time, long, long ago, we had to actually pump the car's brakes. You might remember that in order to stop fast without locking the wheels up. Because what happens when you lock the wheels up? <laughs> yeah, well, not, sometimes not some good stuff. But pumping the brakes allowed the car's wheels to continue rotating while the car slowed itself down, keeping you from losing control. And some bad stuff probably going to happen. So, this video comes from the year that I learned to drive, 1971. Check you it have out. Lost control of your car on snow or ice. It can be a frightening experience. Yes but this driver is spinning his car deliberately as part of a series of tests conducted by the National Safety Council with help from the automobile industry. Purpose of the tests: to learn more about winter accidents. Here's what they've found. Even at moderate speed, if you try to avoid hitting an obstacle with a quick turn of the wheel, you'll lose control of your car. Here's the right way. Anticipate trouble ahead and turn gently well in advance of the obstacle. Braking on ice is a matter of traction. Don't jam on your brakes. When you lock your wheels, you lose control. In the same situation, if you gently pump your brakes, traction is increased, stopping distance reduced, and steering control maintained. Remember, on snow and ice, if you break the laws of traction, you might not get away with it. Ow, man. Driver Ed, 1971. That was No, we don't need to see it again. Uh, That once was enough, believe me. Over time, that phrase has become used quite differently. Now, pumping the brakes. When you're told to pump the brakes, it means that you might want to take a minute and stop what you're doing. Just stop what you're doing. Take a second to think about what you're doing, right? Pump the brakes when you're told to do it. It means to stop what you're doing because what you're saying or doing is probably ridiculous to the other people around you. So they say, hey, just pump your brakes. It means to slow your roll, to cool your jets. So the question is, how does that apply to us here at Arise Church this morning? That's a great question. I think everyone here would agree that uh, we all sense that something's not quite right. Right? Something's not quite right with the way we are living our lives and the way life is going in these days. If we take a moment and reflect on that. We're so very busy after COVID has kind of unleashed us from quarantine uh, back to these busy lives that we were living before then. But rather than our lives becoming richer in the busyness... If we stop and really analyze this, I would imagine most of us would say they somehow seem emptier. Huh. How can this be? What can we do? What do the scriptures say about this? That's what we're going to look at, right, uh, over these next weeks as we tackle this topic. How many would say you're feeling pretty stressed out these days? Good. How many of you are habitual liars? Okay, yep. All those who didn't raise your hand. You see, we live in a culture that pushes us to the limits. Buy more, do more, spend more, have more, 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 more. That is the message that we're constantly bombarded with, right? And so let me start by throwing this out. Most of us in this room, most of us in this room are living in an unbiblical and unsustainable pace. Now, I'm just throwing that right in your face because that's what I want to do. Most of us in this room right now are living at an unbiblical, and I'll prove this from scripture, and an unsustainable pace. And it's no reason we end up where we are saying, uh, my life seems emptier, it's busier, but it's emptier. How does this all equate? How do we pull this together? Family day as kids with homework, on top of schoolwork, two or three nights a week with other activities, and then come to the fill to the brim weekends, and around and around and around we go. And we now here in this country call this normal. We call it normal. Regardless of the season of our lives, whether you're old or young, rich or poor, it makes no difference. Schedules are stressing and pushing on most everyone. If I were to ask you, are you really enjoying your life? Are you really enjoying your life? Now, the Pat Christian answer will be, yeah, yeah, of course I am. But most of us would say, or think at least, not really, and I don't have time to talk about it. Got to go. Sorry, right? Huh. That's why we're looking at this topic. What does pumping the brakes look like in everyday life? I just want to set this up before we dig into God's word, right? What might it look like if we were to actually take this seriously and begin to pump the brakes of our life? Uh, Maybe leaving sooner to show up 10 minutes early to a meeting so that we don't come in a few minutes late all stressed out, right? Maybe, Pumping the brakes could mean spending less, so we have money left over at the end of the month. Some of you are thinking, what's that? Let me say it slowly. Money left over at the end of the month. Right? Huh. Pumping the brakes might be putting distance between me and my temptation. My temptation is different than your temptation but I have space for God to keep me from stumbling into self-destructive behavior over and over and over again if I might take the time to pump the brakes. Pumping the brakes could be having enough emotional reserve to deal with the inevitable problems that we all have. Instead of unleashing a tirade when my wife says something I don't agree with, Or that I take wrong, or some random guy pulls out in front of me. Maybe if we would pump the brakes, we wouldn't be living on the edge like this. Maybe. What do you think? Maybe. Huh. Maybe. Pumping the brakes can mean having three or four nights a week where I don't have anything at all in my schedule. Huh? How about two or three, or even one or two? Pumping the brakes could mean having extra time or money to invest in the people that God has put right around me right now, and I would have enough to actually help people rather than running at this frantic pace. Pumping the brakes could be having enough time to think or reflect or dream or time to think about nothing and not feel guilty about not thinking about anything. Maybe that's what the Holy Spirit wants for us. Maybe it would pumping the brakes would mean I've got significant time for God rather than my quick God bless my day, God bless this food, God let's get on with it, right? Maybe, maybe time spent meditating on his word, his love letter to us and actually enjoying his presence for who he is. So, I'm trying to create a picture in your mind of what pumping the brakes actually could mean for. Us. Simply put, pumping the brakes is what most of us lack and all of us need more of. So, we're in Luke chapter 10, just to uh, look at a principle here that I think is very, very important. We're in Luke chapter 10. Here we find a story about two very different sisters, right? Same family, but very different responses. Two sisters. One didn't pump the brakes and missed out. The other pumped her brakes and experienced real life. So we pick it up in verse 38. As Jesus and the disciples continued on their way to Jerusalem, they came to a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. Her sister Mary sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he taught, but Martha was distracted by the big dinner she was preparing. Okay, so you kind of get the picture in your mind. Jesus is here, right? Sisters, boom. One goes this way, one goes that way. Mary and Martha had the exact same opportunity, the exact same circumstance. Jesus, the son of God, was in the house. Wow, fantastic. This prophet, here he is. Mary chose to pump her brakes. Certainly she had stuff to do. There's probably laundry undone, shopping, picking up around the house. But she embraced the moment, and she enjoyed Jesus. Hmm. Go, Mary. Woo! However, Martha missed the moment, and I'm often more like Martha, distracted, as our text says, by details, or as the NIV puts it, distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. That is a phrase that circulates in my brain. It has for years. I am distracted by all the preparations. Distracted by all the preparations. John, you're distracted by the preparations. Come back. Come back. Martha was not distracted by something that was bad or evil or sinful. Uh-uh. She wasn't distracted by those things. She was distracted by what we might say are good things. But it's still the wrong thing, even though they're good things. She's thinking, Jesus here, better get out the good china plates, light the scented candles, make sure the toilet paper matches the shower curtain. Right, Everything's ready for you, Jesus. Yet Martha was distracted by good things that kept her from the best things that sound familiar in your life. Doesn't mind. Doesn't mind. Distracted by the good things and missing the best things. Oh, Okay, so here we have a wonderful example from Scripture. James Dobson, a focus on the family fame, wrote this. What is the biggest obstacle facing the family right now? It's overcommitment, time pressure. There is nothing that will destroy family life more insidiously than hectic schedules and busy lives. Where spouses are too exhausted to communicate, too worn out to have sex, too fatigued to talk to the kids. That frantic lifestyle is just as destructive as one involving outright sin. If Satan can't make you sin, he'll make you busy, and that's just about the same thing. Interesting words. Interesting words. God used my grandson Caden to teach me a lesson when he stayed with us, as our Texas grandkids do, over the summer. Stayed with us for a few weeks. And he was in this phase of life. He would ask me continually, talking, talking, talking. And he would always start every one of our conversations with this. Grandpa, I have a question. Grandpa, I have a question. Grandpa, I have a question. Oh, if I had a dollar for every time I heard that thing. Grandpa, I have a question. So then he lays the question on me. Grandpa, why do dog, dogs eat each other's poop? <laughs> I wasn't sure, so I asked Alexa this question. <laughs> she actually gave me an answer from Wikipedia. She said there are nutrients in dog's poop that the other dog can smell and eats it because of the nutrients that are there. Well, I didn't explain that to my grandson, right? I didn't go down that road. But is that a distraction? Is that a distraction? Now think about this for a moment. Is that a distraction? Because the next thing he says a little bit later is, Grandpa, I have a question. Grandpa, I have a question. I don't understand how God has no beginning or end. Is he in another dimension? Now I prayed and asked God for influence in the lives of my children and grandchildren. Is that question a distraction or is that an opportunity? How will I take that moment? How will I seize that moment? Is it a distraction? Or is this where Jesus wants me, right in this moment? Forgive me, Lord, when I consider those kinds of things distractions. That's where you're working. So many of us are consumed and obsessed and possessed with accomplishing the urgent, at least from our perspective, that we think it's truly more important. We're missing the most important things in life. We've got to pump the brakes. We've got to pump the brakes. Mary and Martha's story is where I live day in and day out. And you do too. So in verse 40, Martha runs to Jesus and asks, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here while I do all the work? Tell her to come and help me. (laughs) Now here's the moment of truth that troubles me. Martha was absolutely convinced that what she was doing and the way she was doing it and the way that she was living was correct. She was convinced in her mind that what she was doing was right. Leaving all that stuff about Jesus there while I take care of all the preparations. The greatest challenge that Sam and I have in the series as we teach these messages is that most of us are convinced that the way we are living at breakneck speed with no brake pedal is necessary and right. You're already thinking, this is the way we have to live. Busyness is meaning, right? Everybody's doing it. We're all living our lives that way. We forget this. The words, the profound words of Jesus, that broad is the road and wide is the path that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. Everybody's doing it? Okay, that's good for everybody. What are we gonna choose? And then he goes on to say, but small is the gate and narrow is the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. Only a few find it. So if everybody chooses to live their life that way, we still have a choice to make what will we choose what will we choose that's why the words of Paul in Romans 12 2 have been so profound in my life do not be conformed to the pattern of this world do not be conformed to the pattern of this world we are being squeezed into a frenzied frantic existence by the world we got to wake up Before it's too late. This is not acceptable. Pump the brakes. And I wonder how France went from this to this in just a couple of generations. You think they're distracted by all the preparations? Wow. Now, what we're talking about can be life-changing. But the majority of people in this room, and this is a challenge to myself, quite honestly, will blow it off and move on. And we'll think, yeah, yeah. That's something to think about. You know, I I should make some changes in my life. Well, good for you. Come on. You're smart people. You're smart people. I know that. If minor changes would have made a difference, you would have done that a long time ago. But I'm talking about radical, life-altering decisions if we're going to be able to pump the brakes. I'm not talking about tweaking a few things here and there. I'm talking about a course adjustment on the way that we live our lives. I'm convinced that the way most of us are doing life like Martha is completely contrary to what God has planned, and I'll go back to that statement, and I'll push it in my face as I do yours. We are living our lives at an unbiblical and unsustainable pace. Hmm. Hmm. Jesus, tell her to help me. My sister's all messed up with wrong priorities. You know, just saying that is messed up. Come on help tell me. It's not fair. So Jesus sets her straight in verses 41 and 42. My dear Martha, you are worried and upset over all these details. There's only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary has discovered it, and it will not be taken away from her. And like Martha, we've got a choice to make. Like Martha, we've got a choice to make, don't we? Some of you are going to push back. Against this, you may not even show back up. You're going to push against this, this whole series in these coming weeks. You're thinking, PJ, you don't get it. You don't understand. You're clueless. You only work one day a week anyway, so how would you ever get this? <laughs> you know what it's like to have financial pressure, job stress, family problems, health issues? You don't only really think about that. Oh, really? Oh, really? We have a choice about pushing the accelerator or pumping the brakes. Every one of us do. Every one of us do. But let me say this plainly. If we sit back and do nothing, next year at this time, we're probably going to be in worse shape than we are now. If we choose to do nothing, I will guarantee you the way your life is going to look a year from now is going to probably be worse than it is right now with pressure and stress and mispriority and opportunities that have just eluded us. We each have a choice to make. Now, here's what can happen when we choose to ignore the brakes. If we do not pump the brakes, as brake pressure decreases, our stress increases. If we stay off the brake pedal, (laughs) stress is going to go up. When you're running late, what happens? Do you get stressed out when you're running late? Now, some of you on your way to church today, this morning, were running late. You're running late. It wasn't your fault, of course. It was someone else in your family who wasn't ready, right? Hmm? Okay. As you got in the car, your stress increased, and you were thinking some ungodly things about coming to worship God. Just being honest with you. But something magical happened when you touched the arise door handle, right? You put on your worship face, praise God the lord good morning hallelujah great day to be in church love you jesus and i'm trying to love you too but here we go right isn't it great to be together Woo-hoo. Mm. same is true financially if we choose not to pump the brakes on our spending what happens in our relationships particularly marriages let the fight begin you spent what on that are you kidding me? Or something breaks down. Now we've got two problems. Something is broken and so we're limping along and we don't have any extra money to fix it so everybody's mad at everybody and we can't pump the brakes. Our stress increases. Second thing. I'm just warming up by the way in this series. This is going to be fun. I am really looking forward to this. As brake pressure decreases our relational intimacy decreases. If we Fail to pump the brakes, we're going to drift apart, okay? So let me say that again. As brake pressure decreases, our relational intimacy decreases. You see this all the time, all the time. With no brake pressure, our busyness becomes frustration, and that frustration begins to be seen in our relationships, and round and around and around we go. Our mind rarely disengages from the things that we think are important because they've got us. We're distracted by the preparation. You can be with somebody you love, but you're not really with them. You ever been there? You're you're there physically, but you're not all present. Your mind is still somewhere else. It's still running. You take a day off, but you're never really there. You're always still on. You're still on, still connected to work, still connected to something else, still distracted by preparations. And a day, and a week, and a month, and a year roll by, and we wonder what's happening here. Our relational Intimacy decreases, not just with people, but with God himself. The one who just said, Mary's doing the right thing. Mary's doing the right thing. I might ask, how's it with you and God these days? How's it going? How's it going? How's it going? Ah, We used to be close. I used to be in his word regularly. But now I'm really too busy for God. Too busy for people. Used to pray, but not so much. Not nearly enough. And I'm guilty. I'm ashamed about that. Why is this considered normal? Why is it that so many of us live, pedal to the metal, and think somehow that that brings meaning in life? Why is it that so many of us plan on slowing down one day, but we don't? And I, at my age and in my season, I see guys slamming into retirement, right? It just keeps accelerating. Why is it that we don't radically cut back on our schedule, spend time with the children that will be out of the house just like that? Why is it that we are so sick, we are so sick, and we don't even see it? What's happening around us, people? What's happening? The bottom line is this. Most of us do not fully trust God. Because we have separated ourselves from that relational intimacy with him, it's very hard to completely trust him. So if we're not trusting him, what do we have to do? We're on our own. we got to figure this out. we got to work harder. We've got to be smarter. we got to do more and more more and more. We don't have faith to really believe that God is on the throne, that he will handle the details of our life better than we can if we just give it to him. Choosing not to pump the brakes is insanity. It is killing us, it is killing our marriages, it's killing our homes, and it's not what God intended for us. This is not what God intended for us. Most of the people in this room are living in an unbiblical and unsustainable pace and we're going to kind of roll this out to see what can we do about this? What can we do about this? What can we do about this? Jesus said, "Come to me all you who are weary and carry heavy burdens." And I'm first in line. I'm first in line. The LTT, the Living Teshon Translation says, Come to me, all you who are stressed out, freaked out, weighed down, overwhelmed, overlooked, overworked, underappreciated, living under this cloud. Come to me, single parents who are about to fall apart. Come to me, business guy, because you're living on the edge and it might just fall apart on you. Come to me, mom, who has no time for herself anymore. Come to me, those who are frustrated. And feel insignificant unless you're busy all the time. That's when you really feel alive. Whoa, whoa, this is so wrong. This is so wrong. And so Jesus says, come to me and I will give you rest. As many of you know, I'm not much into listening to Christian music. That's just my own personal preference. But this song has captured my heart called Weary Traveler. Any of you guys heard that one? Yeah. That's speaking to me. That speaks to me. Because Jesus is saying to all of us, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. And what we will find? You will find rest for your souls. Let that phrase sink in for a moment you will find rest for your souls peace assurance tranquility (laughs) rest for your souls psalm 46 10 says be still and know that i am god many of us don't know how to be still we don't know what that is even like and if i come down hard it's because this has been a lifelong battle for me. My mom, who just turned 90 recently, told me, she said, John, you hit the ground running as a toddler, and you never look back, and you were never still. That's just the way I'm wired. I am learning to win this battle. I really am. But it's taken some major hits in my life, to capture my attention. I got a zipper in my chest, bypass surgery. That's helped me a lot, to pump the brakes. Counseling has helped me pump the brakes. Yeah, do I go to counseling? Yeah, I do. And I'm proud of it, because I need help. I need help. Counseling has helped. Aging has helped. Because I can't sustain that pace. I'm finally waking up to that. But Jesus has helped me. It's his word that frees me and puts life into perspective. So I'm journeying with you is what I'm saying. I'm not close to arriving. But I see the insanity in my heart and in my life. Enough's enough. In the next few weeks, I'm going to challenge you and push you We're going to talk more about pumping the brakes with our schedules, our resources, our very souls. What does that look like? What does it mean? It's going to be good. Yet, sadly, here's what, this this just, this really troubles me. Most of us in this room are not going to change. We are going to continue living our lives at unbiblical and unsustainable paces. I've been around long enough, I know that, and it just breaks my heart. It just breaks my heart. Only a few of us are gonna get it and do life according to the rhythms of God's grace. But I hope all of us can move at that, in that direction and stop living according to the patterns of this world crushing us into this lifestyle that is not what God had intended. If you choose that, you'll have no regrets because you're not gonna give your life away to things that don't matter and don't last. And I hope that bothers you once in a while in those moments when God's speaking to you. Is this really what you signed up for? Is this really worth it? What are you doing here? A few of us are going to get it. And I'm going to praise God with you because I'm going to be right beside you pumping the brakes, pumping the brakes, pumping the brakes. Will you be one of the few love you guys. I want us to do this right. Let's pray, shall we? Father, I need your help. I hear you speaking, and yet so often I'm distracted by all the preparations. Lord, and I am convinced you're speaking to a few people here right now who are saying, we're going to have to figure this out and do things a little differently. And as we'll see in the coming weeks, Lord, show us what's the difference between good stuff and the best thing to do. Help me to understand that moment by moment, day by day. What is it that you would have me do, Jesus? And then remind me again that <laughs> in my soul there's a brake pedal. And there are times when we've got to mash that thing and say, whoa, i got to get off this crazy cycle. I know it's not healthy. I know it's not right. And Jesus, you've got to show me you got to help me here. And so, Father, I just commit my friends to you as I commit myself to you. Would you show us what it is you would have us do and how to live our lives that will bring honor and glory to you? And I want my life to count for those things that will last. Those things that you see are important. And so, Father, this week, would you remind us and prepare us for these teachings because I believe these are absolutely critical and are coming from you. Help us individually, each family unit, and collectively as a church to do it your way which is always the right way. And Father, if there be one here that doesn't know this love relationship with Jesus, I pray that this would be a day of rejoicing and finding the rest for the souls that Jesus mentioned, the weight of sin lifted, the burden of unforgiveness gone, the arms of Jesus embracing Lord, wherever these your people are, I pray that we would come to you knowing how much you love us. And so I want to say thank you. Thank you for what you're going to teach us. Teach me. And allow us to be a light for others. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.